Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm back, not not with the Halloween bonus, but with the regular Halloween weekend episode, and I've got an extra spooky guest co-host, Adam Rotella. Welcome back to Heavy Hole Podcast. Good to be here, Will. Yeah, good to have you back. Uh, by special request, by a, f- a few listeners, they, they get a sniff of um, pumpkin spice and leaves in the air, and they know Halloween is coming, and they're like, where's Adam Rotella? I got, I got more than one message, more than two messages, like, are you doing a Halloween episode with Adam this year? So uh, I didn't just bring Adam back randomly. Uh, you can look wherever you're listening to this episode in the feed. This weekend for Halloween, we're going to have a special bonus episode. Uh, with Adam and also with author and friend of the show, uh, N. Cassiopo. Uh, we did a, an episode with uh, him, Nick Cassiopo, um, also known to some of our listeners as former frontman of the band The Communion from Long Island. We did a whole Halloween episode with uh, horror movie or just, just creepy movie recommendations uh, and music recommendations uh, coming out for everybody, man. So So check for that. So, Adam, I got you back here, bro. Um, we got some shows coming up, man. You've been busy, and we've we've been busy uh, with all with anal birth, and now coming up with, with liquefied insides, man. So just just do catch the listeners up to, up to date for a little bit because they want to hear from you, man. What's been going on with you and your projects? And I know there's something big that we just put out lately too that you might want to talk about. Yes, as far as liquefied insides, I've been doing that project on and off since 2008. It's yeah, I've been a lot more busy. It, it was on and off for a while, but it's it's been a lot more on lately like it's been a lot of splits a lot of splits in the works you know we 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 have the show at in uh on November 4th at Amityville Music Hall it's with Reeking Aura uh, another band i i i i know it's Reeking Aura animals killing people and riparian riparian from riparian, pittsburgh right. Yeah. I, I got your back, man. We're going to talk a little bit. We're, we're going to find out just a, a wee bit more about Riparian from Pittsburgh later and get all into that. Um, uh, but yeah, and then there's another thing. Now, that's Liquefied Insides. Um, going to be at Amityville Music Hall, like Adam said, uh, November the 4th, Saturday. The show starts early. Doors at 6, first band to 6.30. They're going to kick us out early. Um, uh, so everybody get there and you can go home and go to bed early, but yeah, reeking aura, animals, killing people, riparian, liquefied insides. We're going to throw another band on there. We're going to announce them mystery guest, but, uh, Adam anal birth, people want to know what's been going on. I alluded to it a little bit. They might've seen some stuff on, on social media. Let's talk about the album and the show, man. What do you got for me? Well, I'm sure a lot of people know we, we recorded our, uh, our new full length, uh, top 28 chapters of infinite atrocities. We did it a while back. Um, we had we got a CD release on, on Klisma Records out of Holland. There's also a, a Digipack. I got to send it to you. There's uh, the Digipack version from Brazil that uh, Glessio from Old Grinder Days Records put out. No way. I didn't know about he that. He did a short one. <laughs> uh, you'll be getting that in the mail. And, or, you know, worst case, I'll, I'll, I'll see you at, at the fourth show. I'll give it to you. Old Grinder, Old Grinder Productions. He's got some sick stuff, dude. I, I, I've been, I've been looking at his catalog for a while, man. Uh, I'll, I'll put it that way. I know you've ordered from him before. You got some cool carcass stuff and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I got a great carcass bootleg. It has uh, rehearsal versions of uh, Rico, 
Recomputer Fraction songs. It's got both demos on it. And it has another rehearsal, too, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's one of the best bootlegs I've ever seen. Allegedly, we're going to say. But yeah, um, 100%. Allegedly, yeah. <laughs> As we say on the show, proud to be working with both of those labels. Klisma Records being Mark, who people might know from Last Days of Humanity, uh, uh, Infamy. Um, yeah, very, very proud to be working with Anal Birth and working with those labels. And um, we secured a record. Re- you just told me about this behind the scenes. We got a record release show going Barely Breathing. Uh, if you don't know, Barely Breathing, um, Baby Chico Records, and Syruphead are all in on this. You sent me this crazy flyer. Uh, Anal Birth, the 28 chapters of Infinite Atrocity CD release show. I don't know how they, they got um, Bowel Erosion, which is ideal. Long Island Hate Mosh Gore is what they're going by now. Can you pronounce the, this other band, the Outer Bridge Space Grind Band? I don't want to mispronounce the name. No, I couldn't. I, I try. Is it? It's like really hard to pronounce name. Bait Lahem? Is it something like that? Yeah, I think so. I'll end up saying it wrong myself. Listen, we're from Long Island. I want these guys to correct us on the name. Leave a leave a voicemail. The, the numbers where you're listening to this. Um, we'll square it out in person. We appreciate you. Um, Charcuterie, back on the back on back on the menu. Uh, we interviewed them a yeah. few weeks ago. We played a show with them a few months ago. Uh, cool guys. Um, very now and then. Jesus, these logos, man. These guys are killing me. Adam, who's the tri-state slamming gore band? On the bottom of the flyer, there. That is Aroma. Aroma. Okay, man. They know what they were doing with that logo. Um, love it. Okay, man. So, and I've heard of that band too, man. It's ringing a bell. You can't blame me. There's a lot of bands out there ringing a bell, man. Saturday, uh, November. I got, I... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say for Aroma, I just got their tape in the mail from uh, their vocalist. Their vocalist is actually in uh, Biopile that we played with in uh, Philly. Thank you. Thank you. I should slow down and listen sometimes. Um, Okay, cool. I knew, yeah, I knew that was all ringing bells. Good to be working with a lot of those people again. Looking forward to working with, and it's at at Mr. Beery's and another matinee. Dude, this is, you know what's going on now. I don't know if this is by design, but this is matinee season. Um, because this is another, I mean, you know, we're, the, the rules of what's a matinee or an early show are there, but doors at two, music at three, 15 bucks, 18 and over at Mr. Beery's, uh, November the 25th is this Gore Grind Massacre show that we're talking about right now, presented by Baby Chico Records, Barely Breathing, and Syruphead. Um, but this other show on the 4th of November, that's, that's it's not necessarily a matinee, but it's good for the older guys like me. It starts at six. It's going to be over by 10. Um, then there's also, if you look at Amityville Music Hall, I encourage everybody to go to Amityville Music Hall, um, uh, on social media and check it out right now. I'm, I'm trying to figure out right now because they got, um, Stabbed just announced a great show. That's also a matinee. Uh, let me, I got it for you right here, man. This is going to be pretty sick. Also in November, November the 19th at uh, uh, AMH at 2 p.m., Nuclear Remains from Arizona, Stabbed, and Weeping from New Jersey, who are pretty sick live. I can attest to that. I saw them at Shakers a while ago, got my glasses knocked off. I talked about it in another episode. But you got a sick three brutal death metal band matinee at 2 p.m. popping off. And there was another matinee um that i that i saw man but we'll we'll get to it man regardless um this is like brutal matinee season here on long island i love it we're inviting people to come from the city and out of state and check all this stuff out uh so with that being said adam this 28 
the, the, the top 28 chapters of Infinite Atrocities. I think you broke down for the listeners what that title is significant uh, of and what it means in the Halloween bonus episode that we're also putting out this weekend. But when I remember this, we recorded this at Dare, Dare Studios. Do you want to break down for the listeners real quick what the recording process kind of was like and, and what we did in the studio to, to make that album? Yeah, it was basically I just uh, put did all the drum programs at home, and then I had you bring your your four track to the to Dare Studio, and we just went in their rehearsal room. You laid down you laid down the bass, and then I laid down the vocals. And what was great about that is I I fucked up the recording on the first time, so I had to do the vocals twice. Yeah, yeah. That I wouldn't have minded when I was younger, but when I'm older, that shit really hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, painful. Man. Uh, it, it, it remi- you know, it's funny. It's, it's exactly what we used to do uh, in the 90s in your kitchen, in my living room, in my bedroom, wherever we could set up the four track and the drum machine, we would cut a liquefied yeah. maggots demo or whatever, whatever project it was at the time. There was a bunch of different things we did. Um, it was just, yeah, it was fun getting back into that spirit, man. You know, I love my technical death metal bands and progressive death metal bands I'm in with all these guys with the wild guitars and stuff, man. But this is Roots, Gore Noise, and, and Noise Core, man. Um, that being said, Adam, you, you also brought along something that you not not involved in, but you just passed along my way. A sick, uh, brutal, noise-oriented recommendation um, that blew me away. And I... <clears throat> Um, I, I brought you a recommendation that's a little, maybe it might seem a little out of left field for some people, but I'll, I'll explain why we're going to get into all that after the break, because I told you, Adam, I'm going to tell you all about Riparian. I'm not even going to do it. I'm going to let Riparian tell you all about Riparian from Pittsburgh right now. Let's get into it. This is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here tonight with the entire band Riparian from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining me, guys. What's up? Yeah. Uh, first of all, is that char- characterization correct that the band is from Pittsburgh? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. And I got, um, like I said, I got the entire band. There's five of you here. Um, and I, like I said, I'm going to go around table and kind of get a little info from each of you guys. Um, uh, uh, Lou, you're, you're front and center there. Lou Snyder on guitar. Lou, are you from a musical family? And was there anyone along the way that got you into hard rock and heavy metal? Um, I'm not from a musical family, actually. Uh, just kind of wanted to pick it up one day. Uh, I thought it was cool. Um, I guess you would say like, maybe like my dad just listening to local rock stations here uh got me into like heavy stuff um but i really wouldn't say like i don't know i I really wouldn't say there's like anybody in particular that got me into like anything like heavy in my family so okay so tell me about your first is guitar your first instrument i should say (laughs) actually trumpet was in third grade but uh uh 
No, I, I actually started uh, playing guitar in high school um, just because I always wanted to like pick it up. I was very fortunate enough to have like a class in my like uh, high school that taught guitar, like basic chords and everything. And uh, my mom kind of like saw that, like I took a big interest in it and, you know, bought me a guitar and, you know, said, all right, I paid all this money for you. You better, you know, learn it. So she like also got lessons and stuff for me too. And I just kind of fell in love with the instrument and it got me here today. So what was that first guitar? Uh, that was a Fender Squire, like in a, in an electric blue, it came like in a little package, uh, that you get like this crappy little amp and stuff. I actually still have it somewhere. Um, I, I, I always wanted to like redo it and like, you know, make it a parts guitar or something now. Cause I like to tinker with things like that. So. Dick man. Um, all right. And I will, I want to, uh, riparian obviously I think would, would be, would be class for you, you. You guys have a little bit to talk about in terms of gear, but we'll get to that later. Um, when we start talking about, um, the band and obviously your album, I should say your new album, 2023's age of splendor full length. But before we get to that, um lou prior to riparian any bands writing original music and playing live any experience with that <laughs> um yeah i was i was like in a like a metalcore band like way back in the day um that we we like toured and did like a couple things like here and there on the road and stuff um just like meeting people through like myspace and you know kind of going from there we went all up and down like the east coast i was like 17 uh just jumped in this van with some people and just decided to take off one day and see what would happen and it was it was a really cool experience and um it was it was super fun so yeah a lot of people do that and never want to be in a band again so that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I guess i didn't learn my lesson <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad it went well, man. I'm glad we still got you in the scene. Um, all right, man. And I and I want to get into a little bit of how how you come to be in this band. But before we do that, let's give your bandmates uh the opportunity. Brooks, um, uh, bass player. I, I they got your government on metal archives, but I'm just gonna stick with Brooks for now, man. I, I know you might go by that. Um, you're also in ancient torture, if I got that right. Yep. Um, who who we, we did play with last time we were out there in Pittsburgh. I also got to hear you're uh, formerly uh, a member of Circle of Dead Children. Yeah, so um, I've been friends with those guys for a long time. Um, I was in a band with their former bass player, Drew, for quite a while. And uh, when he moved out to California, um, you know, they needed someone to fill in. And Jason, the guitar player at the time, he decided to, like, call it a call it quits kind of so i kind of like filled the gap there for a while um jason and i have been jamming every now and again since then uh but uh nothing's active right now it's not really doing anything like he he wrote a bunch of songs and we we learned them all and uh nothing really came of it so uh i'm hoping someday it will but uh for now it's just kind of on hold Fair enough. I appreciate that because listeners of the podcast know I would zero in on that. Um, big big fan of the band. But give me the same question I asked Lou, man. Be prior to that experience, give me a little idea. Are you from a musical family? Anyone get you into this type of music growing up? 
and then take me through how you end up with that with that um crew of musicians from Circle of Dead Children and what other bands you might have been in prior to Riparian. And um and I I believe you were also a member. Were you also in Wrought Iron? Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah. Actually, so Kenny was the singer in Wrought Iron, and uh, this is actually what this is our fourth band together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we were in a band called Mammoth Bath before that, and. Uh, Couple other, couple other bands we've been in together, but uh, yeah, actually, so I, my dad played guitar, and I think that, so he told me this story like, he'd watch Letterman every night, and uh, the bass player from Paul Schaefer's band would always jump up and down while he's playing, like in the intro song, and when I would watch the show, I would jump up and down with him, like at the same time, and so my dad told me that story like when I was in like fourth or fifth grade. And he played guitar, still does, um, but he was like, I don't know, I think it was so he had someone to jam with for a while, but he like, he bought me a bass. It was just like a little K starter bass, short scale. Uh, I played that for quite a long time, but uh, he taught me a few licks and stuff. And, you know, we would jam just in the living room together. And, uh, but like Lou, I started playing trumpet when I was in third grade too. And, uh, I remember in fifth grade, Miss Cristofano, my teacher, I hated her so much. <laughs> I could not stand her. And I quit and I started playing bass. And uh, it was probably one of the better decisions I've made in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bad teacher can sometimes have as much impact as a good teacher. Yeah, there you go. All right, man. And then take us through a little bit of your experience playing uh, live music and being in bands and, and take us through how you end up in Riparian. Uh, so I was in a band in high school. Um, we were called Free Barabbas, and I played my first show at the Rivado Project in Pittsburgh uh, when I was like 16 years old. I remember our, our drummer Nick, his uh, his mom drove us to the show, and we fit all of the equipment, her and the three of us, uh, in her Honda Accord, and uh, we just we we ended up playing there a whole bunch of times before any of us could drive. So. Uh, you know, we started playing just local hardcore shows and stuff. We were kind of like a a weird mix of like grind and and punk and we like did dystopia covers and we we covered like Rid the Cancer by Disrupt and uh, some other stuff like that. So I've been playing in bands since I was pretty young. And then uh, I met Kenny when I was uh, in college and we started a band called Tinturi. And uh, from there, we started that band Mammoth Bath, and then uh, we did Rod Iron, and and now we're here in, in Riparian. There, all right, fair enough. Um, natural segue then, Kenny, uh, take us through then, um, say, same routine of questioning, musical family, anyone gets you into that sort of thing growing up. Um, and, you know, we know obviously you're jamming with Brooks for a long time now, but, you know, maybe your, your take on your, your live musical history and your history of bands. Yeah, like family-wise, my family, not, not very musical. I mean, my grandma, she was very Italian. She, like, you know, walk around the house singing Pavarotti, like opera and, and stuff like that. She sang national anthem at high school football games. But in terms of my parents not super interested, I'd say, like, I kind of found the whole thing on my own when I was in high school, same thing, Mr. Roboto Project, like an awesome DIY venue. I had a friend that like kind of dragged me there in high school and sort of like fell in love with just like seeing it, you know? I also feel like the same time, like being raised Catholic 
going through CCD, I was always kind of drawn to sort of like, you know, the macabre and morbid. And it, in a way, it was me kind of like rebelling against all, all of that. And I felt like, you know, drawn towards it. And I don't know, I started going to shows. And I feel like musically, I kind of like jumped into it. And then as my life has progressed, I've developed, you know, my, my musicality. You know, I, I, in high school, I was playing like misfit songs on a, like a shitty electric guitar and not really like having any knowledge of musical theory. Like I never played an instrument in elementary school or anything like that. Um, I just kind of found it on my own. Okay, man. Um, you paint a vivid picture of your grandma play, uh, playing uh, um, singing the <laughs> national anthem at the football games. I love it, man. That's all American. Um, similar experience too. I'm a Catholic school kid turned death metal singer myself. There's a there's a pipeline there. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Um, Dan Martin on guitar, also of the band Vulgar Mephitis. Vulgar Mephitis uh, correct me if I mispronounced that. Who we also no, play? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Who? Well, I, now I've been through the 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 shred shed in Pittsburgh uh, twice. Once with Exsanguinated. Once with Reeking Aura. I think it was with Exsanguinated last time that we played with with both of those bands that that share members. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a. Uh, um you know, both mine and Brooks's bands played. Yeah, and in June. In back also played. So okay. It was kind of a melting pot of all of our bands that night. I, I love it, man. We're we're doing something a little bit. I don't know if we're gonna have as many projects, but we're gonna have we're gonna have something similar cooking on November fourth at Amityville Music Hall for the listeners. We're gonna get to that, but um, uh, it's on the same social media as where you found this this podcast. So we'll talk about all that and all your other shows coming up in a minute. But um, Dan, tell me a little bit. Same same story about your background with music, uh, and if if it, if it has to do with your family being into music and how you kind of uh, went down that path. Uh, yeah, I kind of come from a little bit of a musical family. Uh, my grandmother on my father's side played like uh, the cello in the church, like every week, you know, like multiple times a week, kind of thing. So like she was really involved with that. She uh, could you know properly play the piano and like I think she was kind of self-taught in a way uh whatever but then on my mom's side like my mom knew how to play guitar her my uncle her brother uh is a really uh he, he plays more sort of like alternative style of music but he's been playing for a long time as well he's probably in his 50s at this point um my older brother plays guitar so kind of I think kind of naturally like I just fell into stringed instrument category because there was always guitar at my house whenever I was a kid um at least I think there was one acoustic at the time when whenever I was growing up and I was like oh I want to learn how to do that at some point kind of felt like uh like I was interested but like I didn't pick it up until like maybe when I was like a middle like in middle school or like early high school maybe right around the time Guitar Hero got popular I remember I was really good at that at parties and then I just kind of turned into like my brother like had bought a guitar at that point, and I kind of like was just, just like stealing his gear, like learning myself. Shout out to Henry, my brother. Uh, what what does he and the other musical members of your family think of Riparian and of? Oh um, yeah, my, so my my older brother's into like some some heavier stuff too, maybe not like the super underground like death metal world or anything like that, but like I think he appreciates it. He actually came and. Uh, 
saw us play for the first time in March when we played a show here. He was stoked on it. He bought some merch. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. You 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 say you say here. Are you guys at at a venue at the Shred Shed or at a place where you have shows? Oh yeah, I meant at uh, a place called Black Forge. It's no longer a venue anymore. But uh, I yeah. thought you guys were like at some sick DIY spot, like in the basement. Oh no, oh. We're, at, we're at Lou's house right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Same difference. Same difference. Uh, Neil, I didn't forget about you. Uh, Neil Koch. Uh, um, correct me if I mispronounce your name on drums. Same line of questioning about your uh, background with music when you first start playing an instrument um, and if your family plays into that at all. Cool, man. Well, thank, thanks for having us on, by the way. Appreciate of course. you. Cheers. Um, yeah, uh, my, uh, my mom plays guitar, so she bought me my first drum set when I was like three because she wanted somebody to jam with. So yeah. I was kind of groomed into to playing drums and shit, you know, so... Um, I started seriously playing when I was like 10, um, then played in my mom's band for like a year until I hit high school. And then I found like people my age that played music also, which was a nice change of pace. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, started, started playing shows in like hardcore bands and, uh, like, and then it, that went into like slam bands and then it turned into black metal bands and then death metal so i've i've been in a bunch of different bands um that's how i met these guys actually my i'm from phoenix initially and my band from phoenix was on tour out here in pittsburgh and preparing opened up for us and uh lou pretty much like through that show so he was like our contact for that and stayed in contact with them so when i ended up moving out here hung out with him a bunch and then they ended up needing a drummer at some point and yeah just you know the magic happened and here i am <laughs> uh, uh fair enough man um uh you, you said you played in your mom's band at one point when you were younger oh yeah yeah she still plays she plays like uh i don't know like weird like like stoner rock meets like like uh like faith no more type weird new metal type shit i don't know i i don't know what kind of stuff she's up to but uh Huh, huh. Yeah, she plays. She plays guitar for sure. Yeah, she's a rocker mom. <laughs> <laughs> I said that's. It just sounds pretty sick, dude. I mean, playing in your, you know, it's, it's not your average like childhood parent, you know, parent bonding experience playing in the band, especially a, a sick like funky new metal band or whatever. It oh was. yeah, she got me to like maybe like uh, like seven eight years ago. She actually got me to track her band's record because like right before they went in the studio their drummer had quit or moved away or some crazy shit so yeah there's like a semi-new uh album of my mom's band that i'm playing drums on <laughs> that's it can we look this do you want to talk about can we look this up Bro, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called expansion theory, like expansion theory, but with an X instead of an EX, <laughs> obviously, yeah. Yeah. as you do. <laughs> I like where we're going. All now right. you're thinking local, brother. <laughs> you think smaller. <laughs> Dude, it's sick. Dude, I mean, my, my mom's just into gardening, you know what I mean? It's, it's not as much to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> Um, yeah. all right, all right, cool, man. And what was the band that you came through with from Arizona? 
Uh, it's a band called Lago. We're on a unique leader for a while, um, but it's it's definitely not like the most most of the stuff you'd hear on there. It's like super like uh, morbid angel worship, immolation worship type shit. All right, man. Um, and are you in any other projects uh, to, that you want to speak about now, um, other than Riparian? Uh, Lago Phoenix. We're still semi-active. Uh, hopefully, gonna finish record soon enough. Um, but. Our vocalist just had a kid, so life's happening. And I moved out of Phoenix, so we're having to do the whole long distance thing now. Um, and then I fill in for another band out here uh, called Fall of Babylon. There's some young kids that are playing like some dying fetus type, super fast stuff, super talented kids. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I've been filling in for them for a while out here too. Okay, man. Um, uh, and we, you know, I'll give you guys the, the opportunity to plug anything else. You got shows coming up or uh, other releases and everything. Um, but now that we kind of established uh, you guys' backgrounds a little bit, let's talk about um, where Riparian comes from. I'm going off of what it said on your band camp that the band has some of its roots in a band called Wrought Iron. We, we mentioned that before. I don't know if one of you guys wants to take over and explain that. The band had a few releases one of which was a split with Dendritic Arbor. Um, if if I got if I remembered that band name right, I remember the guy Max from that band put Artificial Brain up at his house one night after a show. Would the venue have been the Wood Shop? Yeah, the shop over, over. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is going back to maybe 2014, 13. I don't, I don't remember, but um. I just wanted to get. I, I saw that, and I and it kind of like rang a bell for me. So I just wanted. I just wanted to mention that briefly. But maybe if you guys want to take over and tell me a little bit about that band, Wrought Iron, who exactly was in that, and you know how how you transitioned from that to eventually Riparian comes about. Yeah. Uh, so that band was started um, after. So Mike and Kenny's band Mammoth Bath had just broken up, and. Uh, you know, we were, we were always still into playing music together. Um, and so I called up my buddy Nick, who was actually our original drummer here in Riparian. And, uh, you know, we started jamming for a while. And so that, that's what Rod Iron turned into. And, uh, yeah, we put out, uh, like a, we put out an EP on our own. And then we, uh, we got hooked up with, uh, Grimoire Records out of Towson, Maryland. And, uh, Noel put out our, our second record. And uh, yeah, like you said, we did that split with Dendritic. Uh, those guys, those guys have always, you know, we've been pretty close friends with them for a while. We did a little tour with them uh, out east. And uh, yeah, they got they got some some attention real quick. And they recorded with like Kurt Ballou and stuff. And uh, uh, but I guess, I don't know, they, they do stuff here and there, but I don't think they're very active anymore either. Um, yeah. Yeah, I haven't, you know, I, I hadn't seen those guys around in a while. It was just, that's like my only connection kind of was I, I saw that you guys did that split. But um, talk, talking about Riparian now, um, I'm going to go off of this because I was trying to find an accurate way to describe the band without relying on too much comparisons to other bands. Really. But I see on your IG, you got Slamming Death Gaze. <laughs> and I thought, I thought that does kind of work respectfully. You know, you, you go a lot of places with the music, but it is, um, 
uh, the, the composition is fairly seamless. It's not, you know, patchwork metal or whatever. So take me through the, 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 the original vision for the band and where some of that sound comes from. And if you guys want to start talking about how maybe gear comes into play, I don't know, you know? Oh, um, uh, I guess what I always kind of envisioned was, uh, I, I mean, whenever Brooks and I like got together for like the first time, whenever we were discussing on what we wanted to sound like it was originally like gonna be like cannibal corpse meets like all pigs must die because i was like super into like the weird like blackened hardcore kind of stuff but like i also love like death metal drive um but it definitely changed uh it, it changed way way more than i thought it would because it then turned into kind of like a like kind of to me it, it, i don't know what these guys think of it because like i think we all just kind of bring a piece to the puzzle to what this band is but like to me it's kind of like a modern meets like old school like kind of stuff and like trying to find like the best things of like both areas and bring them into one you know one one plate i guess I noticed the songs have an urgency to them. They, they, even though there's, <clears throat> there's buildups and there's, um, there's drama in the songs. It, it keeps moving. Um, the, the songs aren't very long and drawn out. You know what I mean? And that to me is a very death metal quality, even though you, 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 you take a lot of maybe influence, I would imagine from black metal, given some of the, the darker, more dissonant tendencies in the music. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I just think we all listen to like a bunch of music, um, and bring like a little piece of it to the table and that's what kind of made this. So, so tell me about establishing the band. The band started in 2017, if I got it right. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about the earlier on, um, when did, did you immediately start trying to like get out of state and play shows heavy? Did it start out as more of a studio thing? No, we were like, we were four piece for a while. It was, uh, so Kenny was our original vocalist and, uh, um, it was me and Kenny and our original drummer, Nick, and we were four piece for a while and we wrote like what, like three, four songs maybe. And, uh, and then shortly after that, before we recorded that, uh, that first EP, Dan joined the band and, uh, I feel like when that kind of solidified like the, the the string section we kind of started to get more into like the you described it as like dramatic almost mm -hmm. we started to get up with more leads and kind of just like make a i think just everything got more interesting in my opinion and i feel like that's kind of been like uh like if you listen to age of splendor versus our first ep i feel like uh, that's a, a pretty dramatic shift in in uh, in the way it sounds, and I feel like we've been writing uh, some new stuff. We have like uh, we have like one full song that we'll be playing when we come out there, I think, and uh, we've got a couple other ones in the, in the works right now. And I think that you know from where the new record you know uh, kind of like evolved from the first EP. I think that our new stuff is is kind of moving even more in that direction too, uh, and I'm, I think we're all pretty excited about it. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about the um, the Age of Splendor is the name of your new full length album, um, just released this year. 
I checked it out on Bandcamp. I'm sure people can go where they usually stream music and look for it. Tell us a little bit about the recording of this album. You already you, you already touched on how you feel like the album advanced the band compared to your prior debut EP. Um, uh, maybe talk about that. And if you guys want to start getting into gear, specifically guitars, pedals, things like that, that was used on the album, let's just get into this album specifically and what what all went behind it. Where was it recorded for starters? You want to go ahead, Lou? Uh, yeah. Um, we recorded at uh Mr. Small Studios in uh Pittsburgh here. Um, with Nate Campisi. Yeah, Nate. Yeah. yeah, he's he's a rad guy. Um. Uh. We recorded the album yeah. live. Um, yeah. So we, we tracked everything except for vocals. Like it was both guitars, bass, and drums. Um, I think we did mostly everything in like, I don't know, two, three takes from what I recall. Yeah, I yeah. would say about two, three takes. That's a fair average for each song. And we did some overdubs on guitars. Um, uh, did vocals separately and stuff too. But I did a lot. I think yeah, yeah, you did a lot. Yeah, Kenny was in the booth by himself, yeah. nailing everything <laughs> Shit, while we had right. a retake. Yeah, what we call yeah. you, Mary J. Blige. Yeah, Mary J. Yeah, yeah. Mary yeah. J. Blige. Yeah. <laughs> doing vocals live is so much easier, you know, because it's it's really hard to capture, you know, just just fully putting in into it, you know, like fully projecting when you're you know, just screaming alone and, you know, everyone is just listening to you, like, isolated. It's, like, very awkward experience. So doing a lot was actually, like, very, very cool. It took me a long time to get comfortable doing vocals in the studio as opposed to doing vocals live. That it's a whole different animal, uh, I think, especially for extreme music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's like you have to, you, I don't know, I feel like, it comes so easily when you're playing live you don't have to really push your push it as hard you know as you think you do but i feel like when you're recording in a studio you have to like push push a lot harder and i don't know i feel like it's a weird hurdle to get over and it's something i've done for ever you know since yeah. i was like you know like 18 19 years old and it's still weird to me you know it's still a strange thing to do I hear you, man. Um, you know, I, I kind of I relate, uh, you know, a little bit. And recording the album live, I don't know that that's something. Um, uh, Afterbirth, we've done. Uh, that's how. Well, that's how they record all the instrumentals. I mean, the process you just described. That you know, live. You know, in the studio with a few guitar overdubs and vocals. Uh, uh, separate. That's that. That's like the afterbirths um set up too. But I don't know that a lot of bands do that. I'm trying to. I'm trying to say that without sounding like I'm flexing because I'm not. But it's. I do think that it's uncommon nowadays for for extreme death. Yeah, yeah it definitely captures like a lot of feeling and stuff. Whenever like you're trying to, you know, put your emotion through the instrument. I guess, um, as corny as that kind of sounds, but like. I don't know. It's it means something to me whenever I, you know, make something and put it out there for other people to listen to, and you know, be vulnerable with. So I think too, like Nate, the the engineer we work with, he he's not typically dealing with this kind of music, and so his like take and you know approach on recording us is like more traditional. So we're um, it was just kind of like an experiment with that. I also think it's kind of cool to have room mics even though the sounds are so like you know everything's peaking and it's overwhelming but i feel like to have it makes it sound more natural more you know 
more organic. And uh, I feel like in this day and age in metal, there's a lot of like, you know, sort of synthetic, like hyper, like polished sounds. And I feel like by, by having like, you know, room mics and being able to put that in the mix, it gives it like a much more like warm, natural feel to a lot of the sounds that could, you know, get lost. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it translates well to how we sound live too. So I was a, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Um, I've recorded with bands before that just ne that have never do that. They would never do that. But this is a, a different, uh, a different approach and a new, I guess a new, um, new way for me to go about it. And it's fun because we did our EP in a similar way besides the vocals. Um, I think that's probably something we'll try to continue doing. I'm not sure if that's going to be fact or not, but yeah. Let, let me ask you this. Um, as, I, as I said, one of my own bands working in a similar way, what's the rehearsal schedule like, especially leading up to recording an album? Uh, we were a lot more consistent before we were recording. Um, I would once a week. Yeah. We, you know, I think it's, it's right now it's a little harder for everybody to get on the same schedule. Not that, you know, it's detained pertaining to this record or anything, but when we were uh, practicing before we went and recorded, we were, we were pretty polished. Yeah, we were doing twice a week for quite a while, but uh, so we're actually, we're practicing at the Shred Shed now where you guys played. Um, and uh, it's kind of tough just because like, there's a bunch of bands that practice there. And so like, we have like one scheduled day a week, basically where we can get in there at the moment. And, uh, you know, it hasn't been, you know, it's been great because it's like, it's cheap. It, it's a, it's a cool space to hang out in, in my humble opinion. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not the, always the best for, uh, for people to play drums. Yeah. 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 Neil time, over here. Every time there's a show, Neil, Neil has to tear down his drums and set them back up again. I help him, but it's still, it's still, he, we want to move basically. Yeah. yeah we're going to move. So if anybody in Pittsburgh's listening to this. Let us play in your basement so we don't have to tear down and set up every five days. <laughs> uh, I get the impression that Pittsburgh has a pretty uh, vibrant underground music scene with a lot of DIY style uh, things going on. How how close or off the mark am I as an outsider? I, I think you're pretty on the mark with it. Um, what I feel happens in the city... Um, is there's like always this weird stigma between everybody where we're all separated by rivers and uh you know bridges and stuff what makes up like the landscape of pittsburgh so there's like a bunch of different factions and scenes that like you know kind of like live in different areas of the city and they don't really get to like you know kind of hang out with each other or like play all on the same shows and stuff um, and I guess one of my like kind of missions and crazy reasons why that I started even booking shows in the first place was to make that stop happening because I feel that a big scene is a healthy scene and, you know, everybody's got cool music to show. So why not get everybody on the same bill and stuff? So uh, I'm sorry, yeah. keep going, keep going. And if anyone else, oh, no, no, that was pretty much it. Like, uh, it's just, it's just like. I feel like it's weirdly separated in a way, and I kind of wish it would stop. 
Yeah, there's no excuse for it. Like, Pittsburgh is not a big city. Right? Yeah. I could fucking walk across the city in a day if I wanted to. Uh, but, I mean, people won't cross a bridge to go see a show or whatever. Do you guys get that in New York at all? Like, people like, fuck no, I'm not going uptown for that. Like, it, it's If I'm going to be perfectly honest, which I try to do on the show, it's people from where I live going, fuck that, I'm not driving out to New York City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it, it really is. Or there is a vice versa of people out in Brooklyn and Queens do not want to come out to Long Island. It takes kind of an obscure Long Island band that doesn't play the city a lot playing out here to drag some people out from the city. So there's a there's a bit like we we go in and we we play Brooklyn all the time, but there is a bit of a disconnect between like Long Island. You know, I mean, it's it, driving into Brooklyn from Long Island after work during rush hour and then coming home it's a whole thing man so it's it's really nothing against like the bands out there the promoters out there it has a lot to do with new york traffic and you know it, it is it, it, it's that type of thing yeah it's probably similar to here with like the bridges and stuff as i said before yeah tolls and you know difference between certain boroughs there's you know there's like staten island is its own thing and it's very expensive toll wise to get in and out of there so like you, we, I make a point of some of my bands playing Staten Island every once in a while because it really doesn't matter if you've been playing Brooklyn a whole lot. Like if you hit Staten Island, that's its own thing. You know what I mean? There's like little little things like that. You know, like that you kind of fig figure out within the city. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm not gonna let you guys off the hook about gear. <laughs> we were talking <laughs> oh, yeah. about the album. Um, you know, we have, you know, a lot of musicians and producers and, you know, uh, audio technicians that listen to the show. I don't know if you guys want to get too deep, but if you each want to take a turn and just maybe talk about the guitar you used, the pedal, whatever, whatever it was, whatever, you know, you, you, you might, might want to talk about that went into the album. Talk about it now. Let's talk about gear. Cool. Um, so I, I'm, 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 I, as I said, I like to tinker with like, you know, uh, guitars and, uh, pedals and stuff like that. If you've ever seen like my pedal board, it looks like, you know, a spaceship, um, just because like, I just want to experiment and see what happens whenever like you throw a delay into a reverb or a reverb into a delay. And I just kind of want to experiment with that kind of stuff and see what that sounds like, um, which kind of led to why we kind of sound spooky and atmospheric sometimes and our sound. Um, but I, I really enjoyed like, uh, using, um, some of the Strymon stuff and like some of the Eventide stuff, uh, uh, Eventide space was like, uh, one of these just crazy reverb pedals that I've always just kept on my board. Um, just because of the crazy space that it sounds like, um, and um i just really enjoyed it we also used uh what was that crazy like analog like delay thing that we used with uh, recording you talking about the uh the um the roland i don't know it was uh God, it, it was like the, the space echo i think space it was echo yeah something, something crazy like that yeah there's a just a big analog uh tape reverb machine basically yeah. and it's you know in, in some sort of rack that he was using that Nate was using to, you know, add some reverb and uh, effect in posts. Yeah. While while listening back to um, our 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 takes. And so, yeah, there was like a lot of like um, 
things that were like kind of being played into that and then like we would kind of like uh manipulate like the timing on it and like kind of like space it out and like make it oscillate um a little bit um whenever it came to just the crazy delay effects and stuff that we would put into like just vocals or like you know uh you know our guitars are like even just taking like a couple symbols and like reverse delaying it like that uh for like some swells um just as far as like production and stuff goes but i think the point of that is all to still try to emulate that sound live which i think we do pretty well um because i i feel like whenever you listen to a record um in sitting you kind of want to experience that live as well so we try our best with like the gear that we have to you know replicate that yeah absolutely yeah and i really like the, the, the ibanez guitar i used to uh record the album i think we all and played ibanez. We all yeah played we, we all played ibanez guitars um, for that yeah. um i'm obsessed with pointy crazy looking guitars um i love i love the xiphos yeah i have like four of these for no reason other than the fact that i just like collecting them and i think they're really cool so that thing's so shy it looks like you just held up a mirror yeah um it's it's like a weird like chameleon kind of thing and that the guitar behind neil is actually the one that i recorded the album with i threw like um some fishmans in that like the fishman fluences um and as i said like whenever like i'm thinking about like um the, the production of the album it's like old school meets like modern you know the fishman influences kind of give that modern like you know chug to it or so my thought process on uh recording this was as with like you know 5150s into orange 412 cabs that have vintage select c30s in them um it's just a combo that you can't beat that it's been played on many records that you've heard before so yeah. Fair enough, man. Uh, any anybody else want to take a stab at a, a, a gear? Uh, bass wise, I'm I'm a huge fan of Tech Twenty One out of New York City. Um, the Sans amp has been on my board for every band I've been in in the last like I don't know ten fifteen years. Um, I picked up I picked up one of their amps locally. It's a VT Bass Five Hundred, and uh, I know they stopped making. Uh, they stopped making amplifiers, but they still make pedals, and uh, I know they make, they're like real big into the fly rigs and stuff like that, so you can just plug straight into the PA, but um, you know, I, was, I was looking around like a Ampeg SVT, it's 80 pounds for a long time, and, yeah. and uh, the amp I'm using right now is 8 pounds, so you know, that, that's a huge, uh, yeah, huge plus in carrying shit around when you don't, you know, when you're loading around and touring and stuff like that, and uh, but yeah, Tech Twenty One has been like my my favorite bass company out there, and uh, uh, like Lou is obsessed with the Zyphos. I I have like five different Ibanez ATK basses, and that's been like my my go to in every band that I've been playing with them for a while. Okay, man. Um, and I just don't, I want to make sure I don't don't cut anyone out. Anyone else have anything to add add to that discussion? I didn't. I didn't play on the record, so no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what do you play, Neil? Uh, I I I play a big old drum set. Hell uh, yeah! <laughs> I play a big ass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best kind. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Uh, all right, man. Um, <clears throat> so as we move forward, you know, I I was gonna. Um, I'm not trying to shade any other podcasters. I was gonna ask what's the meaning behind the name Riparian, but then I looked it up. Uh, <laughs> um, adjacent to the banks of the river, or or wetlands adjacent to the banks of the river, is what Google told me. Uh, and I'm gonna guess that that's a, a heavy Pittsburgh reference, a hometown reference. Did I get all that right? Yeah. So it's like it's kind of a funny story. So I'm I'm a middle school teacher. I teach science, and uh, one of my kids we were writing animal reports. One of my kids comes up to me and they ask me, "What's this word?" And the word is riparian. And I was like, "I don't know. Let's let's look it up." And so I look it up, and it's that definition. It's like adjacent to a river. And I was like shit that would be a cool band name and then <laughs> and then i met lou not long after like during that time and and that was like like I, I like one word band names and uh that was like it just it just felt right yeah yeah um that definitely seems to have a lot of of, of value given where you guys are from and the explanation you gave about Pittsburgh having a lot of rivers and bridges before when you're talking about the local scenes it kind of fits perfectly um and all you know also that you know I, I don't want to dwell too much on on past projects but the band name wrought iron obviously having to do with Pittsburgh in a meaningful way too I would imagine yeah for sure I don't remember how I came up with that one but uh I don't really remember how it did, but it was definitely the same way. It's an homage, kind of. The yeah, word. but rep where you're from. Um, it's always it's always good to 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 rep where you're from and the personality of the band a little bit. Um, with with my bands, they can't help it, man, unless they just put duct tape over my mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. So all right, so here we are, man. We we cast a little light on Age of Splendor, your full length album, um, released this year, two thousand twenty three talked about gear um now hold on a second i I, there, I don't want to leave that alone you said that you are a middle school teacher yeah all right i now i have a i have a friend who plays in like a punk hardcore band and he is a high school biology teacher or science teacher whatever it would be and i know a few other people from the local uh, underground music scene who went on to become teachers I just maybe just talk a little bit about that. How like I don't know if you want to reveal that much. Obviously, I respect your privacy, but if if you if you are comfortable, how long have you been doing that? And has it gotten to the point now where you see younger people coming through your classrooms who are like into the music scene themselves? What's that dynamic like? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So like, I feel like uh, even a few years ago, like I would see kids every now and again, like the district I work in is pretty small, but, uh, you know, I saw like a kid, uh, I've, I've been teaching for like 13 years now, but like maybe like nine or 10 years ago, there's a kid that wore like an, as I lay dying shirt in, in fourth grade. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool, I guess, you know? And, uh, you know, you wear like Metallica shirts and stuff. And, you know, every time I see a kid like wearing a misfit shirt or like, you know, anything that's remotely cool. Like I saw a kid wearing a Weezer shirt tonight. I would let him know that, Fuck yeah, Weezer's awesome. And uh, I didn't say fuck yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> that would have been better. <laughs> you know, I, anytime I see that, I'm always, you know, super psyched about that. And, you know, I try and pick their brains about it. Um, I'm not going to be like, oh, name three songs or whatever. But, like, you know, I'll ask them about it. Because I'll see kids wearing Misfit shirts, and I'll be like, oh, that's an awesome shirt. Do you like that band? 
And every now and again, kids will be like, oh, I don't know, I got it at Target or whatever. Uh, but sometimes kids will be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, my, my brother got me into him. And I'm like, oh, that, that's so cool. We should, we should talk about that sometime. And I know, like, growing up, my, my seventh grade teacher, um, Mr. Levine, he made me, like, a, a, a mix CD of, like, NoFX and, like, a bunch of other, you know, just, like, Epitaph, you know, early 90s punk bands and stuff like that. And I was like, this is, this is so cool. Cause I was listening to like Rage Against the Machine and stuff like that, and he's like, uh, you know, there's cooler music out there, and uh, I was, you know, he made me, you know, got me into that kind of stuff, and my first couple bands kind of sounded like that, and you know, I, I, I always think back to that point. I'm like, oh, that guy was, that guy was cool. So I always try and be that teacher to, to the people that are, you know, the the ones that are different, you know. Fair enough, man. Yeah, I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit, man. You know, like I said, respect to you and your privacy, man. It's a tough job. Um, uh, so do you, and and now a lot of, uh, uh, I don't want to say a misconception, maybe it is a misconception. A lot of people think that teachers work um, all the school year and then get like two and a half or three months off. And so that would be an ideal job for a musician who wants to tour or something. I'm sure it isn't that cut and dry. Yeah, not so much. Like, getting time off is tough. Um, like, we don't have just, like, PTO like a lot of jobs do. So, um, you know, we've been talking about doing some extended tours, and we're kind of aiming for, like, you know, some weekenders here in the new year. I think we're planning on uh, a couple different uh, weekends coming up here in the new year. I think we're going to we, – do we confirm that one with uh... – With Neolithic? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to be touring with a band uh, – doing a weekender, I should say – um down in uh baltimore called neolithic um we we played with them like on our last weekend or whenever we went out with uh our friends nixel from baltimore as well um and uh just kind of hooked up with them and started networking and they hit us up about like doing this weekend tour and i think we're just going to be going through like virginia and like uh the other side of pa or something like that for a little bit so what what's the date range on that um i think that's what like february February. yeah um we have a couple dates like books with them we haven't haven't posted anything about it yet so as soon as we get that and get the flyer going we'll definitely put that up on the on the socials i was gonna say february people have enough time to follow you on social media for that one Um, (laughs) (laughs) but uh awesome i appreciate you guys bearing with me man um and your time um as we as we wind things down what we usually do on the podcast um i give you an opportunity to plug and promote anything else you got going on and then i'm going to ask you all to take around and recommend any music you want album demo ep whatever metal or otherwise just something old school and something from a little bit more recently no strict you know rules or everything just give me two things that we should listen to something a little bit older and something a little bit more uh modern i guess we should say um but before we do that, I'll give you guys a minute or two to think as I ask you guys to go around and just plug and promote, um, obviously, this new Riparian album and where people can check that out and all the, you know, Vulgar Mephitis, um, Ancient Torture and any other projects that are going on and where people can check that stuff out. Yeah, if you want to check out Vulgar Mephitis, uh, it'll be uh, vulgarmephitis.bandcamp.com. Uh, we're currently working on writing our first full length um to be determined on when that will be released um it's been good writing it's 
we we had a framework for a lot of songs probably seven to ten somewhere in that range i'm gonna guess uh learning all that stuff and jamming stuff out with an actual drummer this time because we've used a uh, we just programmed them for the ep um but yeah that's pretty much where you can find our stuff we're on spotify apple music youtube we have a youtube channel all that stuff uh you can find my custom tie-dye shirts on our band camp so oh, find yeah. awesome uh, you mentioned Ancient Torture. Um, I play bass in that band too. Uh, we just put out uh, a record earlier this year. Like, what was it the same? It was like the same fucking day as the recording. Yeah, it might have been, <laughs> yeah, been the same day. Yeah. Uh, but we have we have an LP version of that coming out on our Ancient Future uh, Records, a local local Pittsburgh record company uh, run by my buddy Jason. Uh, he who el- he also put out the Repairing cassette. Uh, super badass dude. Uh, great local label. Uh, definitely check out the bands on our age of future. Um, but uh, yeah, we've been doing that. We're, we're kind of in the same boat. We're working on some weekenders and some tours and stuff like that. Um, and you know, it, that's been fun. It's a good, like, it's a good juxtaposition for me because like in this band, we're always like, oh, let's, let's add another layer. And in ancient torture, we're like, ah, uh, let's make it dumber. And, and you know, it, it kind of works out uh, in both in both ways for me on that one. Need an outlet for everything, man. Um, I, I, so I'm sorry. Keep going. If there's anything else to add, guys. Um, Are you plugging anything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Check out Lago's album "Sea of Duress" that came out like six fucking years ago. We'll we'll eventually put something else new out, but yeah, if you like old school. Tampa Bay influenced death metal. Definitely fucking check it out. Uh, yeah, dude, old school Tampa. You got me right there, man. I'm definitely gonna peep it. Um, thank you, man. Uh, with with that being said, let's go to the lightning round, and whoever wants to kick it off, uh, let's get the two, the older and the newer music recommendations, guys. Damn, well, I'm the Thunderstrike man, so I'll fucking go first. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so I I'm gonna say older. I'm gonna go morbid angel domination. A lot of people don't listen after you know the Vincent era, but that shit's fucking killer. Uh, newer stuff, check out the new Ascended Dead. Uh, super fast, relentlessly heavy. Um, not super progressive, but hey, I don't, I don't. Sometimes I just need to get my face blasted off. I don't need to hear your fucking dissertation on music theory. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put that on the back of a shirt, like real, like in big letters, like a death metal. Yeah. Real tiny text. <laughs> I like it, man. Man, I'll go. I would say a little bit older. I would say Human Harvest, Circle Dead Children, little Brooks plug, local plug too. And then uh, recently, probably something recently, I've been excited about uh, band ASCII. It's like a one-man uh, black metal project. I think. He is from Denmark, I mm. believe. But yeah, it's super cool. It has like a lot of classical kind of um, elements, really pretty stuff mixed with like really kind of tragic sounding stuff too. Is that the band that they they the covers of their album or, or one album in particular? It's like it's like a like kind of field worker dad yeah, and his wife is it's very striking kind of, yeah. yeah. I yeah, think yeah. It, I think that it's actually like kind of a a classic like um like work of art 
it, it wasn't like made for the album. It's just like a famous painting um, that they yeah. used. And yeah, it's like, yeah, I think it's like a woman holding like a dying man. It's, it's like a super powerful image. Um, I was kind of tempted to spend like $80 and buy the long sleeve. Chip, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't pull the trigger on it. That's yeah. That's 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 like this buy. You might as well start buying designer clothing at that point. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, I do remember when that came out, and I remember the album cover and listening to the music with the album cover in mind. It's definitely a it's a, it's a striking album. Um, uh, got, I got to get back into that one, man. All right, so I'm I'm sorry, guys. Don't let me stop you. Uh, I've been going back to uh, Considered Dead by Gorguts after seeing them uh, here in town a couple weeks back. So yeah, okay. check that. Check that out, and then that latest Peeling Flesh EP, Slamaholics Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Sickest samples, just ignorant riffs. It it, it slams. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No dissertation on music theory needed. No, no. No brain cells needed. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, In Flames, Black Ash Inheritance, just because that's like one of my all-time favorite like albums uh just i think that was like one of those like dark paths that got me to like where i'm at right now with like metal and stuff um and then for newer i would have to say like the mithras on strange loops uh album uh just crazy guitar work uh cool atmosphere uh super fast riffs and, craziest drums ever yeah <laughs> like seriously none of them are real but it's awesome in in flames touring with uh Meshuga and um and white chapel coming up soon whoa Interesting. yeah i'm going to see that in december I'll check it out man i'll let you guys know how it is uh but yeah like i said don't let me stop you guys all right uh old school wise i'm gonna have to go with the aftermath by dystopia I fucking love that band. I could, I, every time I listen to it, I find something else that's weird or cool about it. And, uh, just a huge influence for me growing up. That was like the scariest shit ever when I was 16. And now it's just like my background music. Uh, <laughs> and then like, I guess new school, uh, I've been obsessed with the band Sulphur Aeon for a minute. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. So sick. They just put out a new record, but the, the sky of cosmic chaos is like, can't listen to that record enough it's so fucking good is that been from greece uh germany? i think they're german yeah, yeah they're okay german. i yeah I'm, I'm like vaguely familiar with them obviously so i gotta ch- go check them out again yeah super into that one oh, yeah. oh, yeah. is that everyone yeah, I think so. I think so. My my bad. There's too. There's so many of you guys. I love. I love. <laughs> I'm not used to having five dudes on it. Um. All right, man. So that being said, um, Riparian. Uh, obviously, um, listeners of this podcast probably have heard or seen already. You guys are going to be right here on Long Island at Amityville Music Hall, the fourth of November. It's a Saturday, alongside Animals Killing People from Brooklyn. My own band, Reeking Ore, is going to be there. Liquefied Insides, Cult Noise Legend, Adam Rotella is going to be there, and we're going to announce one more band before it's all over. Um, starting at doors at 6 p.m., I should say, but there's a, it's an early show. Get there early for the first bands. Um, 
all ages 16 and under with a garden a guardian i think i got it 12 bucks at the door um but what else do you guys got coming up because you guys are doing you're not just driving to long island from pittsburgh and driving home the next day you guys <laughs> well, funny story. Well, we kind of are actually <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry I thought yeah, you no, we we had like uh like a couple things booked but unfortunately some things kind of like dropped Oh like, my! I wasn't trying to clown you. My yeah, bad, dude. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, that was originally gonna be a weekender, but now I guess it's just the boys hit New York for a little bit. So, not it's not the worst thing you could. I've done yeah. worse. I've done way worse. We did for some reason. One band I was in did Louisville, Kentucky, or or and and we also did someplace in North Carolina and drove right back the next day it was just from New York, from Long Island. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, you do what you got to do, man. We, we, we respect you guys. Um, uh, but beyond that, anything else coming up, uh, around that tour or not that you want to plug and promote? Um, yeah, we have a couple dates, uh, in December kind of lined up. Uh, we're going to be heading to, uh, Cleveland. Cleveland on the 8th of December, I think. Um, with a couple other cool bands that are on that uh, lineup, Paradox Rift, uh, uh, 10,000 Rambos, which I think is like, honestly, the coolest name ever. <laughs> um, and I can't find a flyer for that. Show. Yeah, that, I guess there's not a flyer for that one yet, but I was told that we're supposed to play it. Um, but <laughs> uh, uh paradox rift and those guys are going to be coming to uh pittsburgh as well december uh, 2nd. yeah december 2nd at mr smalls and then the 22nd we'll be out in greensburg at our friend's place the green beacon uh with a bunch of awesome awesome local bands um but yeah and until then we we're still kind of like trying to confirm some other dates and stuff here and there all right well people can always follow you on social media uh, I get trapped in the '90s sometimes, man. Where, where right, typing something and sending it to a zine was your last chance to communicate with people for six months about the band. But um, uh, yeah, I encourage people to follow you guys on all the social medias and listen to the new album on streaming platforms. Guys, any parting words for um, uh, fans of Riparian and listeners of the podcast? Keep it fucking heavy, everybody. Keep fucking <laughs> keep rocking out. Throw those rock fists high. Any chance you fucking get, man. Never quit. <laughs> yeah, never, never stop rocking. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Sound advice. Uh, Riparian from uh, Pittsburgh, man. Thank you so much for your time, guys. We'll be seeing you soon uh, in person here on Long Island, man. Safe travels. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you. Of course, guys. Yeah, we'll have this interview up before the show, probably the end of the week, man. And um, and I'll be in touch from there, man. I'll see you guys real soon. Dude, hell yeah, man. Thank you. Of course, guys. Have a good night, guys. Thanks again. You too. Take it easy. That's that's the edit, and then if you're ready, man, um, we'll just go back into it, and we'll we'll, we'll do the recommendations, and, and we'll wrap up the show. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, cool, man.
All right, thank you very much to Riparian from Pittsburgh. We really appreciate those guys. And as we said, um, we hope you're not only going to check out all the music we just talked about um, and their recordings, but also check them out if you're in the Long Island area on Saturday, November 4th. Like we've been drilling into your head, man. It's coming up. Reeking aura, animals killing people. I don't know if, uh, if it's animal killing people's first appearance on Long Island. Um, but it, it, if it is, we're going to make a big deal of it at that show. Uh, definitely haven't been here in a while though, you know, and that's, that's if Queens counts as Long Island to you. That's a controversial topic out here in the tri-state area. I don't want to wade into politics right now, but show up Saturday, uh, November 4th. Um, animals killing people, reeking aura, riparian, liquefied insides with my buddy, Adam Rotella. Adam, you're still with us, right? Yeah. Thank you, Adam. And. Like I like promised, uh, we're going to get to your recommendation right now, um, and then we're going to talk a little bit more. We're going to remind you guys about the shows coming up, uh, and, and then we're going to be out, man. So, Adam, please tell the listeners um, about this band and this release uh, and why you picked it um, right now, man, because I, I definitely enjoyed this. Uh, this was a band from Greece, and I've, I've known them for a little... I've known them for definitely 10 years, if not more. I mean, they did some demos. They had a ten inch that I just I uh, pulled out of the out of storage in the attic, had to listen to, and then I I noticed on a on an old grinder days uh, merch list that they had they had their it's not their brand new album, but it, it's only a couple of years old. I think it came out in uh, two thousand twenty one, and uh, the band is Raw Noise Apes from Greece, and. You can see it right here. I, I got the, the version that has the, the first demo as bonus tracks. I'm going to mess this pronunciation up. It's Damnatio Memoriae. That's that's how I'm reading it. I'm probably saying it wrong, but that's I believe that's their 2021 album. And as you can, as you can see from the logo, very uh, old Napalm Death influenced. Mm. And like I told you on the like I told you before, like this is definitely like the enslavement to obliteration of nowadays. Like I was just blown away by just what a ripping grind album it is. Like it's even better than the, the 10 inch I heard and the other stuff I heard from them. Like they're just even sicker than they were before. Like just really short, like fast, like just straight up grindcore songs. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely an amazing album. Like I was just blown away by, you know, how just simple, effective, like heavy, fast as all hell it is. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this. This got me excited about grindcore in a way that I haven't felt in a while. I love, I love grind bands. I love some of my classic releases, but you know, sometimes it's like there's a lot of bands doing the same thing out there, and you don't know where to. You know, we're, like you don't know when the next cool thing. These guys are kind of, I want to say they're doing something classic, but they have a little bit of an original sound. They, 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 their energy is amazing. It reminded me a little bit also of Gorbion Necropsy sometimes, but with like, like you know how Gorbion Necropsy has a little bit of sense of humor and they'll kind of throw more like rock parts. Like this is just, yeah. I, I only compare it to that because of like how bombastic. And loud Gorbion Necropsy sounds, and the vocals, the screaming reminds me a little bit, and the the low end growl vocals. I love that there's like zero pronunciation, and it just sounds like a dog barking. It has that like 
uh, you know, kind of old excruciating terror, old napalm death feel. It's it's perfect, man. This is it's great. And then the songs just have enough character to where they don't all blend together. You know what I mean, man? Like it's it's a really excellent release. I was talking, yeah. I was talking about squash bowels the other day on the show. Um, I think last week, and this kind of captures that same grindcore energy, man. Frantic stuff, cool shit. Oh, yeah, definitely. I agree with you about the Gorbion Necropsy influence. Yeah, they definitely have that in there in their sound. And yeah, I I agree with what you said. Like, it's very old style, but they they do throw their own own twist into it. It just doesn't it doesn't sound like a complete ripoff or anything like that. It's just it's just. When I say it's like they're from enslavement to obliteration and now it's just like it just blew me away like that album did back when I was a kid. Yeah, it's 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 strikingly brutal. You know, there's great grindcore albums that have death metal production. And that's cool, but this is a grindcore album that has grindcore production. And I I, I don't know if people you know exactly what I mean by that, but it's like there's a thing where people are you know, you can you can make a grindcore album and it's produced like very slick and polished and powerful the way you would do a metal album. This has that more it reminded me almost of power violence just for the production value. You know, like there was just that underground or Gorbion Necropsy for the production value, man. Awesome shit. Um yeah, I don't yeah, want Don't want to talk it to death, man. But any um any final thoughts on this, man? Where where uh, where 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 could you find this again? Uh Old Grinder Days Records, their uh, Bandcamp. So I would just tell people look up Old Grinder Days Bandcamp and uh, just check out their uh, the list of all the merch they have. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's I I couldn't recommend it enough. Like I was, I like their old stuff, but when I heard this, I was like, they even stepped it up a notch. I I can't recommend it enough. Like this is something that's going to be playing a lot. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I gotta look into that. That's old grinder days was the label from Brazil that we were talking about at the top of the program, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I uh, gotta look into that, man. All right. So raw noise apes and um, uh, what what was the name of the album again? Uh, in, in your own pronunciation, because <laughs> I'll mispronounce it too. Yeah. Damnatio memoriae. All right. Ta- I know I'm saying it wrong. You you might be I'm saying just... might be saying it more right than you think. I don't know. We'll bring uh, and Tom bring us in there, but Did you get an opportunity to check out the album that I recommended a few days ago? Uh, unfortunately, like the last one, I only had enough time to check out a little bit, but um, I'm very familiar with MOP, and I'm, a, I'm an MOP fan, <laughs> so I think it's a, a definitely a good choice. Yeah, man. Um, this, yeah, no, it's it's all good, man. We we've been we've been um, going a little wild with these podcasts, and I and I did the uh, like we've been promoting. We did the bonus episode with us, so I'm glad I got you back for this one, man. And um. Uh, I definitely recommend you check out this album on your time because To the Death, which is the 1994 debut album uh, by M.O.P., uh, Mash Out Posse from Brooklyn, New York, um, if people didn't know, is um, 
uh, if you're familiar with M.O.P., Anti Up was the big song, you know, with Busta Rhymes and people on the remix. And I guess that was the late 90s. You know, that was a big song. And that was like a big breakthrough for them. And they were on Rockefeller for a while. They did some stuff with G-Unit. They, you know, M.O.P., does their own thing. I've always had a lot of respect for MOP. They kind of made, in my opinion, or in my mind as a listener, they were like a a gangster run DMC because of the way the two rappers would bounce off of each other a lot. You know what I mean? And it was like really hip hop, even though it was like really gritty and, and street. What's cool about this album is um, the entire album, except for the last song, was produced by a producer named DR Period. Uh, the last song, Guns N' Roses, was produced by a guy named Silver D. But what's running through this whole album is, and I wanted to run this by album, it's, uh, uh, run this by you, Adam, it's, um, it doesn't sound like sampled drum loops and breakbeats most of the time. It sounds like he's using the old, like, DR-202 drum machine um, and, and programming his beats and using a keyboard and making his own samples and, and synthesizer sounds and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, and that's, so that's consistent through the whole album. So uh, it's got this homemade vibe. I'm not home. Maybe homemade isn't the word. Cause for the time period, it definitely sounds, um, higher production value than, than you might expect from what I just described. But like this guy knew how to use the drum machine. He knew how to use his sampler and his synthesizer. Somebody knew, obviously knew their way around a keyboard to be playing some of the things that some of the melodies that they were doing in the background and stuff. And they, you know, they really, um, they really, with this whole album being produced by one guy, except for the one song and the, the two, and an MOP is known for being the two MCs that rap against each other. Um, it, it just, Again, with the Run DMC comparison, it go it brings me back to the days when rap groups were rap groups. You know, nowadays rappers work with a bunch of different producers, and they never have a you know they they have a lot of different sounds, and which is cool. It's one way of doing it. But back in the day, you had like you know Eric B and Rakim, you had Run DMC, um, you you just had you had groups where. Uh, you know, EPMD, where they had a consistent sound, maybe because one of the guys in the in the group was like a, it was like a band. They were the ones making the beats, and this album has that vibe. It's it's also just for the first album, right off of the bat, MOP rapping like they always did, aggressively um, showcasing not just uh, uh, really gritty streetwise lyricism, but um, really. A really lyrical ability to work with, bounce rhymes off of one another from verse to verse and from line to line and uh, um, incredible wordplay. These these guys are so underrated. Uh, so yeah, so Adam, I'll just ask you, man. Uh, I know you didn't get a chance to listen to much of this, but tell me what you thought of what you did, um, and and uh, just what you know about MOP and and that sort of thing, man. Yeah, I just really like what I heard and like what you said about the. Uh doing his own uh, drum beats and well them doing their own drum beats and <laughs> and you know you know samples and all that stuff like it's i really liked them i, I i'm pretty sure I, I can't remember if aaron was the one that got me into him or if it was you but i one, one of the two of you like got me into it and i i don't know where i got the tape but i got a tape of one of their albums and i feel like an idiot because i can't remember the the name but I do have one of their albums on tape, and I'm I did listen to it a lot back then. Yeah, I dig that out of storage. Talking about MOP makes me like want to dig my because I know it tapes up in storage in the attic somewhere. I got to pull that out too, as as well as listen to the album that that 
you know, you're talking about. I gotta listen to more of it. Just, just. But I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely like. I definitely, I definitely. It's definitely the kind of rap I like. Like, it's not. I mean, that it doesn't sound exactly like it, but it, it, the way they do it reminds me a lot of like the old Memphis rappers. Yeah, it's like, it's dark. They would use like, yeah, drum machine, keyboards, like horror movie samples. Like just really, really crazy beats, like completely made. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of MOP. I, I just want to listen to more of it. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's, I mean, this album is a great place to start, and then track the evolution and and all that sort of thing. You know, all I'll just say, I kind of, you know, I could go on forever. I don't want to talk it to death because I really do like this group and always have. Um, it's some. It's it's a group that is not afraid to go as gangster and as street as possible and say some ugly shit, but they do it in such a skillful way that you have to respect their hip hop. You got to respect their ability to rap. You got to expect respect their ability to write uh, conceptually. They're just they're they're a level ahead. And then later on, the one the one guy, Lil Fame, the one of the of the two rappers. Um, he started producing a lot of their stuff under the name Fizzy Womack, I think. So if you ever see an MOP song produced by Fizzy Womack, that's Lil Fame uh, making beats too. So it's just like a real like DIY, homemade, kind of grassroots vibe from this group. Um, a lot of authenticity, you know, like, like you, you just kind of believe, you, know, <laughs> you believe what these guys are saying, man. And... Well, the first thing I'll leave off on that I wanted to say is that when I was listening to this this morning driving, maybe it was because of the road rage, it's almost like New York hardcore in a way. Like, I I would, if somebody told me that they listened to Madball, Agnostic Front, and MOP, it would make sense. Like, if, if somebody just listened to a bunch of New York hardcore and also happened to listen to MOP, I would understand. It's just like a similar vibe a similar viewpoint a similar mentality and a similar delivery the vocals are almost like could be in a hardcore band um especially old yeah, school new york hardcore band um yeah they definitely got they definitely got that anger and that energy yeah um dude some like some their trademark uh thing that they that they do all the time is the they do all the crazy gun noises the blocka blocka blah blah you know, all that sh- and they fucking yeah, they yeah. they bounce it off yeah. of each other oh Anyway, um, yeah, so we'll we'll just leave it at there, man. Uh, Tom, um, bring us a little bit of the old school hip hop classic MOPs, uh, um, uh, uh, to the death from 1994. Thanks, man. All right, man, and and we're back, man. Um, so, uh, like we said, man, we're not gonna we're not gonna beat it to death. But November the fourth on Saturday, Amityville Musical, Liquefied Insides, Riparian from Pittsburgh, who we just talked to. You learned all about them. Animals Killing People did a whole episode with Wilson from Animals Killing People. Go back and check him out. Reeking Aura, my band that I never shut up about with my egotistical self. Uh, and then November the 25th, starting early in the day, matinee show, 2 p.m., go to Mr. Beery's. 
um, uh, for all those bands we talked about, for, for especially for the Anal Birth Record release party, top 28 chapters of Infinite Atrocities, man. Uh, Charcuterie's going to be there. Aroma's going to be there. Um, Bait, Baitlehem, I'm going to say, is going to... Guys, correct me. I'm not... No, it's all due respect, please, guys. And Battle Erosion's going to be a beautiful day. Um, that being said, Halloween episode also with my buddy Adam Rotella and um, Nick Cacioppo dropping this weekend. Look out for that. Adam, I already asked you to go all in and recommend a crazy horror movie on that episode. Just real quickly, though, for Halloween weekends, like, what are you personally looking forward to? I know you're always busting out horror movies and crazy stuff to watch. Like, what's what's one thing that you're really looking forward to spinning this this week just for, like, a little Halloween indulgence? Um, a couple have become tradition. Like, there are a couple of uh, underground and semi-underground. There's one called, uh, there's one called Hack-O-Lantern. It's, it's, it's not super well known, but it's something massacre video put out. Like you, you, you can watch it online pretty easy, but it's a, it's a Halloween horror movie from 1988. It's pretty good. It's cheesy as hell, but it's, it's also gory as hell and it's fun as hell. So I always try to watch that at least once a year around Halloween or if not on Halloween. And also there's a movie death O lantern that this dude, Chris Seaver made. It's, like Chris Seaver's known for making like really like super corny like 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 horror comedies with a lot of inside jokes that only they understand, but it's still funny somehow. But uh, Death O' Lantern is probably by far my favorite of his movies because it's definitely the goriest. It is pretty funny, but it all it has a lot of like '80s movies references and like jokes, but it's it's just a gory, fun, good time. Oh, and also uh, Jacko. It's from 19, 1995. That's just a movie about uh, basically just a, a a zombie with with a scythe killing people with uh, with a pumpkin's head. So it, it's it's a good movie. It's gory. It's it's, it's cheesy, but you know, also an, another fun one to watch. <laughs> those are the three. Those are the three main ones. Wow. You know, of course, you got like you know the Halloween movies, especially the first three, but you know, I try to get those in before those, but even though I love the Halloween, the fir- first three Halloweens. I, you and I were on a plane uh, last year coming back from the Tennessee anal birth show. And um, I watched one of the more recent Halloween movies that just came out the last few years. I think that was the second one. Um, you remember that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Was it uh, Halloween Kills? Yeah, yeah, and I've been meaning to go back and like so. So what is that? That's like is that that's like a new trilogy that they made? Is there like a third one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They started with the uh, just the self titled one that skips. You know, it skips from the original. It skips all the sequels, and takes place forty years later. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. There's two, there's two follow up set. There's Halloween Kills, and then there's Halloween ends. That's that's the most recent one. I'm gonna be honest, man. I I think I might have to double down and check out that whole new series. That whole new series of Halloween movies because I, you know, I've kind of not not like I, you know, not like I'm, I'm I turn up my nose at anything new. But I, you know, I don't really. There's so much old stuff I go back and watch. I wasn't really planning on checking out all the new Halloween movies, but 
um, that was an option on the plane. I was like, fuck it. And it was really good, dude. I thought that was sick. I thought it was a great Halloween movie. Great, great take on the premise. It, you know, it is what they didn't, they didn't try to reinvent the wheel. It made me want to go back and watch like all three of the new movies and, and check it out, man. So I, I might have to be the guy that watches the Halloween movies on Halloween. That's like, that's almost like being like a, like doing like dad jokes, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, like I'll, I'll get the new balances on and, and the jean shorts and I'll watch Halloween on Halloween, you know? Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with it because honestly, all three definitely not bad movies. I, I enjoyed all three. I mean, yeah, I I could say like, yeah, I like the first three better, but the uh, the new three aren't aren't really that bad. I mean, some people make them out to be bad, especially the last one because they don't like the ending, but or not the ending, but the the plot. Like yeah. there's, there's a there's a I don't want to give anything away, but there's like a plot point that people seem to have a big problem with, but. It didn't really bother me. Fair enough, man. Thanks for not spoiling. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll let you know what I think, man, uh, after this weekend, hopefully. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's like you can't be an elitist, too, man. Like, there's, you know, it's like it's 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 like when you got a band. I don't want to I don't want to name bands like like well, let's say, for instance, like Vader. All right. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm hurting Vader by talking about them, but like they're they're consistent. They put out good albums. But after a while, when a band has like you know, over like a dozen albums or, you know, 10 albums, it gets a little tough. You know what I mean? If you're just coming in, if you've been following them all along and you're a big fan, that's one thing, but it's like, it, it's, you know, it's hard to, you know, sometimes you just pick the originals and you go with them and you love them. But you know, this, this is, uh, it's worthwhile to, to check out what's going on sometimes. Sometimes they, they don't, sometimes they don't ruin a franchise like they did with Star Wars, allegedly. Um, you know, the Halloween movies are, are you know, I'll, I'll let you know how I feel, man. But moving on, um adam it's been great having you on again um and for the halloween bonus like i said thank you i even squeezed out another three horror movie recommendations from you on halloween real quick especially for those people that messaged me asking for you to come back um i told you guys where you can catch us in november performing live i'm not going to say it again go to social media and follow uh uh, heavy hole podcast, adam um you don't have social media really um but but you you, you said the labels that put out the albums right Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not on Facebook or anything, but uh, as far as as far as Clip Records for the CD, I mean, he, I have to dig out his email, but anyone anyone can uh, can email me, and I'll gladly pass it along. My email is chaosnoise at yahoo dot com. Fair enough, man. And, and anybody that, that wants anybody that wants. Mark's uh, email to order a copy from Clisma Records. Uh, you know, I'd, I'll gladly pass that along. And to get the version on Old Grinder Days Records, just go to Old Grinder Days uh, Bandcamp page, and it'll be there right in the merch section. Okay. It's with a it's a digipack with it comes with a little comes with a little poster too. It's nice. <laughs> both both versions are came out really good. I'm sure it's gross. <laughs> um, and there yeah. you go, man. Um, so, 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 so there you go to wrap it up. Heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. And the voicemail number is in the description wherever you're listening to this, man. Thank you to Riparian from Pittsburgh. Uh, thank you to you, Adam. Um, and either way, you're going to order those anal birth CDs. It's still going to be easier than ordering Gore Noise was in 1991.